Key Biscayne Stories collects the history of our beautiful island. This is your host, Alejandro Cervalli, and I am a certified key rat for many, many years and counting. With this podcast, we will share the stories of our residents and their love for this slice of paradise we call home. So stay tuned, relax, and enjoy these great Key Biscayne Stories. Key rats and Key Biscayners, welcome to another episode of Key Biscayne Stories. Today's guest is Sensei Derek Duzoglu, a fifth-degree black belt and the head instructor at the RDCA MMA Dojo here in the Key. Derek will share with us the history of the dojo. We will learn about the mission, the programs, and what you can expect on your first visit. The RDCA MMA Dojo is a family-run business as Derek works closely with his father and founder, Sensei Robert, and his sister, the program director, Sensei Morgan. Together, they bring a great wealth of knowledge in the martial arts and create a welcoming family environment for students to learn discipline and self-defense. Being a student myself, I can tell you it is a great experience and so worth it. Your first class is free, so give it a shot. Derek, welcome on the show. Thank you for joining us today. How are you? I'm great. How about yourself? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. How's the dojo? It's good. We had some interesting experiences during the shutdown, but we're rebounding and rebuilding and excited for what's ahead. That's for sure. That's awesome. I'm liking seeing the the comeback of the dojo on the social medias and the kids and everybody on the dojo lifting up those bags and, and working out and and practicing their their martial arts so it's awesome to see the life coming back into the dojo yeah that's for sure we just got to get you back in the door too (laughs) (laughs) i'll be there i'll be there (laughs) so before we jump into the dojo let's let's get to know you for those that don't know you so where you guys are originally from are you guys local were you were you born in the key (laughs) no i've been here most of my life i was born in new york city in manhattan and i grew up in new jersey until i was about 13 and then we moved to Key Biscayne, came in 1996. So we're coming up on 25 years here in the Key, which has been awesome. And one of the big things that became a part of my childhood and eventually a career was the opening of the, of the dojo, the karate school, which was my father's passion. He's been doing the martial arts for 50 years now, which we're actually, it's funny because we were putting a timeline together the other day. So we're redoing some of our, our material in our notebook and our website so I sat down and I said, dad, let's put together a timeline with all the information, you know, who you've trained with, what styles you've, you know, encompassed and everything. And we, we finished it and we took a look and we're like, holy cow, there's a lot here. And it was neat because when we moved here, that became his full-time job, his full-time passion. And we opened the doors where we currently are back in 96. So this past April, we passed our 24-year anniversary and obviously April 2021 is going to be quarter century. So we're excited about that. Wow, that calls for a party. For, yeah, for, yeah for, absolutely. For Hopefully no masks. <laughs> Hopefully no masks. Maybe a family day. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> cool. So what are some of those people he sensei has trained with? Oh, my gosh. So beginning in the t- timeline, this was really cool because there was even some things that I really didn't know. He started on his high school wrestling team when he was 14. And then from there, kind of transitioned into many different styles. And it was interesting because MMA is an evolution that's happened within the past 20, 25 years. Sensei's always dabbled. So when I say Sensei, I mean Sensei Robert, my father. And aside from the wrestling, his first formal martial arts education was in Kung Fu and Aikido. And that lasted 11 years. And he received his black sash in Kung Fu and his black belt in Aikido. And then when he went away to college, that's when he started mixing with the karate, with the judo. He's trained Kyokushin and Hisardut, which is an Israeli style here in Miami. 
Uh, he's trained Kali and Jeet Kune Do with Danny Inosanto, which was Bruce Lee's number one training partner. You know, currently doing a lot of Eskrima and Filipino martial arts with Apollo Ladra, who's down here in South Florida. So, I mean, it's a very extensive list, but those are some of the, the more prominent names. And again, Sensei's always been of the mind that, you know, I'll learn one style, but I love to mix and match because some things are more applicable than others. And, you know, in, in self-defense scenarios in general, very, very important to be well-rounded. And that's one of the approaches that he's taken and one of the things that we've, uh, we've implemented here based on his experience. Awesome. So that's awesome. And I'm glad that you guys took the time to put that timeline together. Is a plan to showcase it in the dojo or? Yeah. So one of the things that we want to do is we have notebooks that we provide to all of our students and it's kind of like, I guess you could say a user's manual for the dojo talks a little bit about the etiquette when you come in the dojo, what the procedures are, the formality, a little bit of history. And up until now, we really haven't had anything that has depicted the extent of Sensei's experience in the martial arts. We've always talked about it and the students are somewhat familiar, but we thought it would be a great idea to have a simplified version of that in a timeline, you know, that has like 15, 20 different points. And that's actually going to become part of the new notebooks that we're developing for 2021. It's also going to be integrated into the website. Everybody loves a little history. And it's obviously important because it describes where we are now, how we got here. And then there is the potential to maybe have a cool graphic on the wall so that when people come in, you know, we have a lot of artwork. We have a lot of pictures here in the dojo. And so just another element to kind of showcase our, our history, but not so much visual in the sense that it's pictures, but in a, in a nice graphic style. So yeah, I, th- I think it's probably going to make it on the walls at some point or another. Awesome. Awesome. And before we continue on the dojo, you, you went to UM, right? I did. I studied UM from 2001 to 2006, was Gables High School before that. I did the IB program and then I jumped into mechanical engineering at UM. And I was fortunate enough to be able to do a five-year master's program, which was great, which I applied for my junior year. And then my senior year, I started taking grad level classes and I was actually able to cut off a year from the normal master's program and get my master's degree in five instead of six years, which was a great accomplishment. I'm really, really happy and proud of that one. It's intense. That's, that's quite yeah. a program. It awesome. was. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Sleeping on the library floor during te- like in between tests. And yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. And one of the outputs of that engineering program was uh, a lot of work in resiliency and, and going green, I remember. Yes. You know, yeah, you- we, my first job out of college was actually with uh, a local yacht manufacturer, which was Bertram Yacht. They were a staple of South Florida, and I was with them for about three years. And then that was right around the, the time the economy <laughs> decided to turn around and go yeah. home. And I lost my job, which was kind of a blessing in disguise because it spurred me to really think about, you know, what I'm passionate about. And that kind of led into the sustainability and the resilience and had kind of been doing that for the last 15 years on the side. So it's been some interesting stuff as well. Awesome. Yep. So now let's, let's dive into the dojo now. Let's so do it. You guys opened it up when you guys came from New York. It's Sensei of your dad, Sensei Roberts, passion, which obviously the family shares, which is beautiful to see a family run operation and it goes beyond into the students and everything. So it's, it's nice to see the family dynamic. Oh, for those that don't know, I have been part of the dojo for, for a very, very long time. I think we, you pulled out my card, no, my I card, did. what was it? 20, 20, 22 years. Yep. You've been a student almost as long as the dojo has been open. Which is incredible. <laughs> Which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's it is amazing. awesome. That's why I know a lot about the dojo. But I'm going to, of course, let 
Derek share most of the stuff. <laughs> but um, so you guys opened it up. I remember I didn't start when it was as big as it is now, right? You right. guys had a smaller space. Yes, correct. Before you guys expanded. Yeah, so we, we opened the doors, in, like I said, in April of 96. And after about two years, we kind of started to maximize our capacity. And for those of you that have been to the school, if you ever want to come and visit, you'll notice that in the middle of our mat, there's a column. That column actually used to be a wall. And we were on one side for close to two years. And then the when we first moved into the space, the space next to us had been vacant since we had moved in. And, you know, luckily it was available and we had expanded. And interestingly enough, the same time that we expanded the physical location of the Kibbutz Kane Dojo, we also opened up a school in Coconut Grove, which we had for close to 15 years. And then that actually just kept growing. And at one point we were teaching in five different locations and we decided to really consolidate our efforts and focus on our local community. And that's when we consolidated back to uh, the single dojo in Cuba's Cane. You mentioned something important that we need to touch more on, which is that column. That column, <laughs> <laughs> that column has seen a lot of action. Uh, right? I remember once there was a hole that was maimed by somebody's kick. <laughs> absolutely correct. <laughs> yeah. No, was, was, it, was it your? It wasn't your kick. No, was it? no, no. It wasn't. Oh, my okay, kick. good. Just making sure. <laughs> it wasn't mine because it was not always. It was not always padded. No, it wasn't. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was. Funnily enough, we were looking through old pictures the other day, and I had actually forgotten that we didn't have it padded at one point, and all it was was some structural wood and some drywall, and that was it. And thinking back in hindsight, probably not the best idea in a karate school to have exposed drywall where people are punching and kicking. And sure enough, you know, somebody's kick deflected and right through the wall. Yeah, so, yeah I remember. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Good times. Good times. <laughs> Absolutely. Talking about kicking. Yes. So the style, the style, right? The style is the RDCA style, right? Yep. Which, as you mentioned a little bit previously, is a combination of, of many things that you guys have found to be more that work together well, that are more for the times. So can you dive a little bit more on the RDCA style yeah, and I love we to. offer at the, at the Academy? Of course. And I, I love that you said we offer. This is great. You're part of the family. Yep. You, you're, you're ingrained in our history. Sorry. <laughs> so for those of you who just know, another little inter, interjection, not only was Alejandro a student of ours and still is, but he also has his fourth degree black belt, which is no small feat. There's not many of those around, so... Thank it's you. cool to be talking shop with a fellow martial artist. So, Thank awesome. You. <laughs> so what happened is, like I said, my father has always dabbled. He holds three different black belts. And we started competing shortly after moving here. And we did pretty well. And we became really good friends with some of the local senseis and the people that ran the tournament organizations. And one of the senseis came up to my father one day and he said, hey, what style are you guys? Oh, we're karate. He goes, no, no, you're not. (laughs) Just because we would always have our own flair for kata, for weapons. And the way we sparred was, I guess you could say, non-traditional. So, you know, the gentleman and some of the other black belts said, look, you know, we, we love what you're doing. We love your creative approach to the martial arts. We would love to honor you and certify a style. So, you know, go back to the, not go back to the drawing board, but formalize what you teach and how you teach it and come up with a name. And so we did for about a year. And then one day at one of the tournaments, the sensei surprised us, the group of sensei surprised us. They had invited over a hundred black belts to the tournament and they officially certified what became, what is known today as RDCA, which stands for Robert Dustoglu's Combative Arts. And when we were first looking at names, we were incorporating like Bushido and very, you know, Japanese traditional terminology and, and nomenclature. And, and then we were sitting there one day and we said, 
we're not traditional. <laughs> yeah, we're, for those of you that have been to the dojo, if you're listening to this and if you're interested and you want to come by and learn, and you sure know, Alejandro, we're very combat oriented. And that's one of the things that has really made itself apparent in the way the style has evolved over the years. And when I say combat, I don't mean aggressively confrontational or overly physical. But what I mean is combatives, you know, a lot of close quarter self-defense type deals um, that we've really honed that skill and we've enveloped and we've multiplied. Uh, and that really has become the staple of, uh, of the style. And then when you mentioned the mixing, again, you know, we take a little bit of everything because 70% of fights wind up on the ground. So if you get taken down, how do you get up? How do you strike from the ground if the person's still standing? If you want to take somebody down, how do you do that? If you just have the ability to kick and punch, that's fantastic. But when you get to that close quarter element situation, very important to know how to defend yourself with weapons. I mean, yes, there's the traditional sword. There's the nunchuck. There's the bow. A lot of fun to learn. I spent a lot of time doing that also, <laughs> competing with those. But again, from a practicality standpoint, we teach a lot of FMA, Filipino martial arts in particular the, the long stick, which is about two feet long, and the knife. And one of the reasons being is because a lot, of the, a lot of the flow patterns, a lot of the movements are the same with the stick as they are with the knife. So the kids, we start off with the stick, and then when they become more advanced and older, we transition to the knife. And the other beautiful thing is that the stick is such a common geometry. You could be walking on the street and find a branch, and the motions apply, the strikes apply. You know, you're not going to be walking and find a pair of nunchucks on the street. <laughs> so, you know, it may be a piece of a fence. It may be a leg of a chair. It may be a branch from a tree. Uh -huh. You grab it. You have the ability. So there's the, the common applicability that makes it so beautiful. And that's really the approach that we've taken with the creation of, of RDCA. This was 1997, which the certification happened up until today. So, yeah, that's been the evolution and, and mixing and matching and trial and error. And um, you're a big testament to that because you know how many times the curriculum has changed over the past 22 years. Which is interesting. And yeah. I think part of a key part of the dojo, because that means that you guys are always trying to perfect, trying to improve, trying to add, try to tweak more effective technique to teach the, the students. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like an active, it's like a living it is. curriculum. It is. And that's one of the reasons, you know, we've had big discussions about posting curriculum and putting this and this and this. At the end of the day, you know, two weeks ago, by me, like, ah, you know what? I don't like that combination. Let's change it. Or, hey, you know, if we did this to this technique, it would be much better. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're constantly pushing the envelope. We're always updating. And the incredible thing is, I mean, I've been doing this for close to 30 years and every week I learn something new and it's really incredible. And I'm sure you attest to the same, you know, every time you walk in the door, it could be a little variation of something that you never even thought of or, or somebody looks at differently and you catch. And, and that's one of the things I love about, about teaching. Like as many times as I've taught a technique, I could have a white belt that's come in here and been for two days. And with a fresh set of eyes, I say, well, why can't we do it like this? And we're like, that's a great point. So yeah, definitely interesting. I mean, it makes sense. I think and martial arts is, is, used to be considered a lifestyle i mean i think you're the closest to a, what a traditional uh, martial artist would be because they people would live would live this style and then the students are just a portion of their week right so they're living it and i mean people was it what was it back in the day in order for you to be accepted to a, a dojo you needed to wait outside until you were allowed in and then if yep. you were allowed in you could only clean uh, for like so much and then if you ever get trained you only get to learn how to like punch for like years like an intense process and absolutely yeah a little different now 
Here, sign up with the app. Come in with it for a free class. <laughs> right, right. So how I know you guys structure the month. You know, you guys Tuesdays are more curriculum, Thursdays are more more of, of the fighting, but then also you do jujitsu, you do a little bit. How is that? What can we expect uh, during a month? Great period? question. So when you look at the structure, a lot of the format that we've chosen in scheduling the events that we teach, the curriculum that we teach is all geared towards preparing the students for success during their test. And we have a really wide range of information that goes from stand-up striking to close quarter self-defense to takedowns to ground combat to weapons to positions. And because there's so much, we have really streamlined our schedule and we rotate on a three-week basis. So basically, let's say, for example, you're a student that comes in Monday, Wednesday. The first Monday, Wednesday, you're doing two subjects. The second week you come in, two new subjects. The third week you come in, two new subjects. And then it repeats again. And then the other big thing is that there's a huge overlap with those subjects. So, for example, the first Monday is everything related to RDCA. So all the basics, your stances, your drills, your positions, everything that's core curriculum. Then the following day would be weapons. And there's a bit of an overlap because you have positions, you have footwork and movement. So each one of those sections has an overlap, which is good because instead of seeing it once every three weeks, you're seeing it two, three, four times. And then the other thing that you had mentioned is we typically do technical the first day of the week. And then the second day of the week, you come in as more application. An application could be self-defense. So like if we work on certain punches on the first day of the week, when, we, when you come in the second day, you're like, okay, how do we defend against those punches? What are my options? How do I properly block? If I want to block and then counter, how do I do that? If I want to block and control the person, either grabbing the arm or controlling some part of their, part of their body, what's the functionality behind that? If I need to take down, if I need to create space, if I need to yell for help, if there's multiple attackers. So that's one, the self-defense oriented side. And then of course we have the actual sparring. You put on the boxing gloves, the headgear, and you, you box, you tie, you, you kick, you punch, you kickbox. And then of course we have the ground element where we also deal with the takedowns and the grappling. So yeah, first day of the week, technical, second day of the week, more application. To add to that, I think one of the things that makes the dojo unique from being a student, from even taught a little bit too. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> more like a support team. Uh, <laughs> but our emphasis on, on values and family life and respect for others, I think that has always been a very special part of of the dojo and also it comes with stories from sensei which is also <laughs> something to witness <laughs> that's one, of the, that's one, of the, one of the best parts about coming to class is sensei stories right yeah so, so, when you come to the dojo you are going to experience a, a like we mentioned like the living curriculum that's always adapting and learning and trying to improve but there's also this emphasis on on the respect for others of course you know i get a lot of the new parents that come in and and they haven't really experienced the martial arts in general let alone the way that we teach our methodology. And I always tell them, I said, look, we use the martial arts as a tool for character development. That yes, your, your child is going to learn how to defend themselves, but at the end of the day, the more important things, the respect, the discipline, the love. And speaking of some of those key words, when you come into our school, if you look up on the mirror, I know it's a little difficult to see, but back behind me on the mirror, we have four words, is love, hope, faith, and charity. So, you know, those are really big pillars with what we teach and how we teach. Typically, when we start the class, at least once a week, we're sitting with the kids five to 10 minutes talking about the subject of the day, whether it's inspiration, whether it's faith, whether it's meditation. And we really try and inst instill a solid character that not only is going to build 
them as a stronger and better person, but also those around them. And you can, you know, share some stories if you feel free. But um, one of the big things that we do when we have our black belt test is that the, the group, the candidates, they're always required to do a community service project. So it's not just come in, train, kick, punch, get my black belt. We're always looking to see, you know, how we can leave the world a better place and how we can help those in need. So we always tie in community service projects. And another big thing that we do, actually, hold on, hold right here. So this is what we call a notice to promote. And when the students are getting ready for their test, we have a, it's almost, almost like a report card that we send home and the parents and the teachers have to grade the kids. And it has nothing to do with kicks or punches. You want another, you want to see it again? No. Can you describe for those that are not going to be seeing that's you exactly describe what's what in this about. notice? Of I course. Guess. So I just, I just wanted to take away the child's name. So we ah. had some, uh, some anonymity. So here, <laughs> if you look at this again, this has absolutely nothing to do with the ability to kick, punch, how fast you run. There's the column over here that's being graded by the parents and then another one by the teacher at school. And the four categories, again, are respect, positive attitude, gratitude, and enthusiasm. So that ties into what you were saying before, you know, teaching life skills and, and moral values. As senseis and as instructors here, our goal is to make sure that those elements of their life are reinforced. Obviously not here in the dojo, but definitely at home, because that's a, a key place to reinforce those values. And also socially, in this case, for the children in school. We don't send them out to parents. Parents, you don't have to take it to work and have your boss sign off. So don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's really interesting to see. And it's an ABC type deal. The parents put the grade and they put the initial. And then one of the requirements is that in order for the child to receive their next belt, the student, they have to have A's and B's on that notice to promote, which again, really pushes for that, you know, that good behavior, treating people with respect, using kind words, please, thank you, you're welcome you know, super important for us. And again, like I said, I always have this conversation with the parents. If your child can kick and punch, fantastic. If they show respect, even better. I'm really, really happy when, when it comes to those core values. So yeah, we, we definitely push that a huge part of our curriculum. And then we also have a program called LifeQuest, which is actually the name of the, the program with which we teach these core values. I would even say that it's a big difference compared to other academies. I haven't been to many, but, and to add to that, I would say it's even more connected to the way martial arts were taught back in the day because respect was essential. I don't see anyone back in traditional feudal Japan getting into a dojo without <laughs> respecting their master, right? Or without, oh my gosh. Without, I, I don't see them even being looked at, right? So, correct. And uh, luckily, I haven't really gotten into a fight because I've learned how to avoid them. Like, I remember, I remember putting my hands up between some dude. I'm like, no, stop. Yep. I'm not going to fight you, man. That's the best thing you can do. Yeah. Because it's, it's going to hurt anyways. Right. So, yep. And I remember it was outside of my building too, in my house here in the key. It's great. Oh, jeez. But, you know, <laughs> luckily great. I haven't had, uh, <laughs> you know, I haven't had to like get into a fight because I've avoided them. And, but the respect and the respect for others and the, and the set of values that we learn, those will be more useful in my day-to-day. -day. Like when I go to the office, when I interact with other people, when I meet new people, those other things are also going to go beyond, beyond. I'm not going to go to the office and go to hand-to-hand -hand combat with someone every day, but no, of course counter, right? So those values, hope, love, faith, are, gonna, are, are even more transcendent, I guess, in our day-to-day. -day. Yep. And like you said, I think, you know, really teaching and instilling those helps you to avoid a physical confrontation, like you said. Exactly. I mean, the, the, the punching and the kicking is the last resort. 
And we, we constantly tell the students, look, the first thing you need to use is this. And then your second weapon is your words. Because a lot of the times, if you put your ego aside, you can really diffuse the situation with some kind words and say, Hey, look, I'm sorry. Stop. I don't want any trouble and just walk away. And there's no need to, you know, puff your chest and get all upset and try and be the bigger, stronger person. Because at the end of the day, when you get into a physical confrontation, nobody wins. Even, even if you come out, you know, winning the fight because you fought, you didn't win. So any chance that you can avoid best thing you can do. Absolutely. I think it's a great balance of the yeah. martial arts and the respect for others and the values. I've been to dojos and I say, today we're going to learn how to kill. And I'm almost like, what? <laughs> what? No, 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 no. I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy stuff out there. So one of the funnest parts of the dojo for me is the black belt test. Time, I thought period. you were going to say karate dodgeball. <laughs> well, yeah, that too. <laughs> karate dodgeball, yes. Karate dodgeball, is, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. Let's dive into that. What is karate dodgeball? So I, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> and what we do is we, we have the kids line up on one side of the mat and they have to make it to the other side while we throw a massive yoga ball. And it's hilarious because no matter what we're teaching in class, the second you say, guys, line up for karate dodgeball, the kids go nuts. They love it. And I've had some pretty extensive conversations with Sensei Robert about this. And it's interesting because yes, it's a game, but it's got a deeper meaning too, because we teach a lot about situational awareness and for the kids to understand where the threat is coming from. In this case, it's a big ball, which is very passive, but at the end of the day, they have to realize, okay, the threat's on this side or it's on this side and I'm trying to avoid it. So there's a very, there's a much deeper meaning to the game than, than people actually think. And yeah, it's just, you know, it's one of those things that we started doing, I don't know, 20 years ago and it just stuck. And we've tried other games at the end of the class just for variety. And the kids say, no, we want karate dodgeball. That's what they like. So we said, okay, fine. And that's like the go-to game at the end of class. It is super fun. It's, it's, oh, yeah. Even, even for adults. It happens oh, yeah. for the adults. If you're fun, if you're interested in that, in the adult class, sometimes you get a little treat of karate dodgeball. Absolutely. So you were saying about the black belt test. Yes. So one of my favorite things to talk about. So go ahead, please. So obviously there's a tier system of belts and there's Correct. tests in between, but the culmination of course is, is the black belt test. And in the dojo, it's not just a one day thing. In some dojos, they make you fight someone that is, you know, like, no, this is, this is a whole t- borrowing from the name life quest experience. Yeah, exactly. Right. So can you walk us through what, to expect during a black belt test and that season. I'm going to call it the season. The black, you know, it's, it's a great way to put it because it tends to be seasonal because uh-huh. we really only have one black belt test a year. And then the, the whole concept behind the black belt test for us is to create this memorable experience. So by the time you finish and you graduate and you have that black belt tied around your waist, you go, holy cow, look what I just accomplished. And we've been involved with the, the martial arts and different testing procedures And the whole goal was to create this amazing experience. And what we did is years ago, we started doing these mini events on the beach because we're in Kibis game, we're on an island. We say, okay, let's take advantage. So we started doing mini parts of tests or or events on the beach. And we said, hey, you know, this is is great. And then by the time we got to the first black belt test, which was actually myself in 1999, we were sitting on the beach one day with one of our sensei's friends from Germany, Sensei Matthias, I'm sure you know, big German guy. Of course. And we're sitting there just hanging out. And I think I was 17 at the time. And, and my dad, Sensei Robert, was like, hey, go fight Sensei Matias. And I was like, what? <laughs> he said, yeah, go fight. 
So we're there in bathing suits and we started sparring on the beach. I mean, you know, not full contact fighting, of course, but sparring. And, and we looked at each other, we're like, well, this is a great idea. How can we incorporate more of this? And then over the years, this has grown. And you know how the story goes. The test went from one day to four mm-hmm. and it's Wednesday to Saturday. Uh, Wednesday is technical. So all the curriculum that you learn from white all the way up to black belt. And if you're going for the higher degrees, whatever you've learned beyond. Uh, Thursdays is fight night. So between sparring and grappling and takedowns and whatnot, Friday is the physical test. You have to run three miles. And given your age, that determines the time frame you're shooting for. It usually averages around 24 minutes, which is not that bad. It's about an eight minute mile. But what we do after is what really makes it interesting. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> we have to have some, some secrecy, some mystique to it. Of course, of course. And then one of my favorite parts is after the physical test, everybody goes home and changes. And then we all meet back at the dojo. Everybody that tests has to prepare a meal. They have to cook something. And of course, the younger kids work with their families and everything. And we set up these tables outside of the dojo. And we have this massive spread, which is always incredible. And then we come inside and we read essays. Everybody that's testing has to read an essay. And depending on what belt you're going for, the topic is different. And then finally, Saturday comes around, which we call Spirit Day, because by then you're physically dead. (laughs) And you really have to rely on the spirit to carry you through. We meet at the beach. We spend about two hours over there. And again, I'm going to leave some secrecy. I'm not going to tell you. That's two hours? Yeah, roughly. Is that that what the actual time is? Because it feels like it's longer when you're doing it. (laughs) Yeah, when you're on the other, when you're on the receiving end, it's like (laughs) two days later. (laughs) And then after a couple of hours at the beach, we come back to the dojo and the, the candidates do their demos. They do the board breaking and then we have the belt ceremony. And there's two main distinguishing factors between the way we test and a lot of more traditional tests happen. Number one, ours is open door. Some traditional tests will stick you in a room for a couple of hours and for three, four hours, you're doing kata, you're sparring, you're answering questions, you're showing techniques. With us, we want to have your family present. Because for us, when you talk about instilling those values, one of the reasons the students are able to train is because the parents have made the sacrifices to let that happen. So for them to be present for such an important part of the process is amazing for us. So a test, let's say we have 20 people testing, instead of there just being 20, there's close to 100. Grandparents come, aunts, uncles, cousins, brothers, sisters, and it's, it's, I mean, it really brings a beautiful spirit to the test. And then, of course, the other thing is we don't charge for the test. It's four days of black belt craziness, completely free of charge. Um, some academies do. Some acad- even I think most of academies charge for... Yeah, I, I've had some friends from... From other schools, for example, I had a friend, she was going for her third degree and the test cost $4,000. And I, I know. And it, all it was was three hours in a room with some high ranking instructors, which is okay. I mean, traditionally, that's how a lot of the schools operate. And there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But again, we wanted to create this experience. And, and I mean, I've gone through it many times. You've gone through it many times. And that becomes a lifelong story and a real big part of you. Because by the time you get that belt tied around your waist, especially what you've experienced over the not only the last four days, but the past couple of years is just this insanely overwhelming sense of accomplishment to know that you truly worked your butt off and you, nobody can take that away from you. You wholeheartedly earned that belt. And that, that's the goal. That's the goal. It's, it's a beautiful experience. I mean, I have not participated. I, I was not testing and I have flown down from yep. when I was in college just to participate in that moment. It's like, when is that? I would call it, when is the black belt test? So I coordinate my next visit to the black, no mom, I'm going to come back next month because that is the same weekend of the black belt test. You know, so it, it is quite the experience to be part of. And it's also open for other students to see 
right? Absolutely. That's the, also Correct. cool. So it allows the, the younger students to see this is a great experience. This is what's to come. It gives yep. them an idea, something to hope for, something to be like, I, I want that. Yeah, of course, a motivation. And it's also nice to experience the test uh, on, on the other side. <laughs> Not being told oh, yeah. to do When you have that bucket of water and you're throwing the water on the kids, I mean, come on, you know that's fun. Oh, 100%. 100%. It's like part of life. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So one more question. What is your favorite part about the Tojo? I would say there's two. You mentioned in the beginning when we started the discussion that it's a family-run business. So the fact that I get to come in and spend every afternoon with my sister, who's the program director, and my father, who's the owner of the school, the head honcho, is amazing. And then I also have my kids in the dojo. So to be here with them is, is a huge blessing. And then it has become blatantly apparent, especially in the last couple of years, how much I love teaching. And it was always something that I did kind of on the side. But a few years back, I really jumped into it and, and found out, wow, this is amazing to be able to share what I've learned from, from Sensei and pass it along to the kids and find interesting ways and fun and exciting drills for the kids to, to learn and to grow. I mean, for me, that's, that's the best. So I would say those two things. Beautiful. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Derek, I want to thank you for joining us today and sharing the story behind the dojo and the awesome experiences people will have if they join and if they come and visit. There's a free class, right? Yep. First, First class is free, so come on in. Awesome. Thanks again. Have a great My day. My pleasure. Thank you.